I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, December 28th College Football Playoff Semifinal Edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Every Ohio State college football game to this season, I am kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching the game at the shoe, road tripping to an away game, out in the Valley of the Sun for the Fiesta Bowl, or enjoying it from the comforts of your own home. However, I am not doing it all on my own, as every week I am joined by 610 WTV and sports reporter, the legendary Lori Schmidt, for her unique insights into the game with a peek under the hat. Tonight, the second-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes will face off against number 3 and defending national champion Clemson Tigers in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl from State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. The Battle of Unbeatens will be broadcast on ESPN when it kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and will be the second of two college football playoff games on the day. Chris Fowler will be on the call with Kirk Herbstreet providing color commentary and Maria Taylor and Tom Rinaldi on the sidelines. Get your hankies ready. Obviously, Herbstreet is a former Ohio State captain and quarterback, so he has those allegiances going for him. But his twin sons, Jake and Ty, are walk-on freshmen on the Clemson team this season. So it's probably better for him that he's calling the game and he doesn't actually have to make a pick. As always, the game can be heard on both 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels, will be on the call, along with Ohio State legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary and Matt Andrews on the sideline reporting. The weather out in Arizona has not lived up to the Locals Valley of the Sun moniker, as it will be in the mid to upper 40s when the game kicks off tonight. But that won't really have an impact on the game, just the fans getting to the game, as the stadium has a roof, which I assume will be closed. But interestingly enough, if you are not familiar with this stadium, they do have a roof, but they also have natural grass, which they actually have on like a conveyor belt that rolls outside to get sunlight, and then they roll back in for the game to be played. The line for the game opened with Ohio State as two-point underdogs, according to Bovada, and after it grew to two and a half, it is back down to a negligible original total of two points. The over-under is set for 63 points at the sports book, but others have it down at 62 and a half. Ohio State has failed to cover in three of their last four games, while Clemson has covered in their last four. The last game in which the Tigers did not cover was against Wofford in early November. We will have more about the Clemson record in their season shortly, but for what it's worth, Ohio State has won its last seven games as an underdog outright, according to Odds Shark, and they have done so by an average of 18.7 points. In the college football playoff era, they have been underdogs a total of five times and have won each of those games by an average of 24.6 points. So get your money in good, folks. 
Now, on Friday, the Ohio State Athletic Department released the Buckeyes depth chart and availability report, and it looks like, for the most part, everybody is pretty healthy. There were no unexpected additions to the unavailable list, as everyone ruled out has either been unavailable for the entire season, or at least for the last month or so. Those players out are wide receiver Cameron Babb, running back Marcus Crowley, offensive guard Gavin Cup, defensive tackle Noah Donald, wide receiver Elijah Gardner, safety Ronnie Hickman, H-back CJ Saunders, and defensive tackle Teron Vincent. Also unavailable will be defensive end and captain Jonathan Cooper, who will not dress for the remainder of the season in order to maintain his red shirt and return for a fifth season at Ohio State in 2020. There were no Buckeyes listed as game time decisions. As we will discuss with Lori Schmidt shortly, there has been discussion about the health of Justin Fields' sprained MCL. Early in the week, he said that he felt like he was 80-85% to healthy and planned to wear the smaller brace that he had been wearing prior to injuring his knee against Michigan. He said that he was hoping that the last few days leading up to the game would get him closer to 100%. As you know, Clemson is the undefeated champions of the Atlantic Coast Conference. They have won 28 straight games, including 13 this season. They are outscoring their opponents by an average score of 46.5 to 10.6 points this season. Their strength of schedule is 79th out of 130 FBS teams, but their strength of record, which factors in how you win your games, is third. By comparison, OSU's strength of schedule is fourth nationally, including postseason, obviously, and their strength of record is second. Clemson's scoring offense is fourth nationally, while their scoring defense is first. Conversely, the Buckeyes' offense is first, and their defense is third. The only game that was within 14 points for the Tigers was their late September 21-20 win over North Carolina. In the contest, Mack Brown went for two to try to get the win as time expired, but it went wanting, allowing the Tigers to remain unbeaten. Clemson boasts eight first-team All-ACC honorees and 16 total All-Conference representatives. Running back Travis Etienne was both the ACC Offensive Player of the Year and Overall Player of the Year, while Clemson linebacker Isaiah Simmons was the Defensive Player of the Year as well as the Butkus Award winner. Simmons was a unanimous All-American, and offensive guard John Simpson was a consensus All-American. Etienne earned three second-team All-America honors, while safety Tanner Muse was named to the AP third team. We will get into what these players did to warrant their individual honors shortly, but first, after a break, we will be back with 610 WTVN's legendary sports reporter, Lori Schmidt. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are joined now by 610 WTVN's Lori Schmidt. Lori, uh, Merry Christmas, a couple days late. Well, I hope you had a very happy holiday yourself. Yes, we did, and uh, hopefully everybody out there listening had a great holiday, whatever you happen to celebrate or don't celebrate. Uh, either way, I hope you had a very good week leading up to this Fiesta Bowl matchup. Coming to everybody tonight, Saturday, December 28th at 8 p.m. on ESPN from, I don't think it's it's University of Phoenix Stadium anymore. It's, it's like State Farm Stadium now, right? Yes, that's correct. All I know is that all, all the reporters that I know are complaining that the weather isn't as nice there as it is in oh. Ohio this week. Oh, poor babies. 
<laughs> I really feel, really feel bad for them. You live in Florida. You didn't have much room to complain. No, I, and I don't. I uh, I don't complain. I rub it in. In fact, it is currently <laughs> 70 degrees at 5.17 p.m. on Friday evening. I am not complaining. Oh, wow. This is why I live here. We suffer through the summer heat for the 70 degrees in December. So anyways, Lori, uh, we are obviously looking to talk about the college football playoff semifinal between number two, Ohio State, and number three, Clemson. I think one of the storylines that has kind of dominated a lot of the discussion, especially leading up to the reveal for the final playoff seedings, was just how, I, I guess, bad is fair, just how bad Clemson's uh, schedule was. They did not really play anybody of note out of conference. They played Texas A&M, which at one point looked like a quality team. They ended up being seven and five. Um, and then the ACC was pretty much hot garbage for the entire season. So um, while Ohio State did not necessarily play the toughest schedule in the country, they did play one that was significantly better than Clemson. So it's hard to kind of really determine just how good this version of Dabo Sweeney's Tigers actually are. Yeah, although, in all fairness, I think people have been saying that about Clemson for, since 2015, and True. they have finished in the top four all four of those seasons. So, uh, it, you know, that there is some question, though, especially about this year's roster of teams that Clemson has faced, because they face just two teams in the top 40 of scoring offense this year, and the highest rank of those was Wake Forest at 38. And just two teams in the top 50 of scoring defense, uh, Texas A&M, you mentioned one of the quote-unquote marquee games on their schedule, they were ranked 35th in scoring defense. So they weren't even facing teams, Matt, that were good on one side of the ball but not on the other, and that's what was leading to the, the problems they were facing on the field. They were facing teams that just weren't very good offensively or defensively to the point where it added up to the teams that Clemson faced this year in the FBS had a losing record combined. Oh, wow. And they're coming in to play Ohio State, who is number one in the country in scoring offense and number three in the country in scoring defense. So it's one of those things and where... which faced teams in the top 25 of both scoring offense and scoring defense. Three in both categories. So yeah. they were facing teams that were impressive, at least in one way. Yeah, one of those teams was uh, Florida Atlantic, who was number 14 in scoring offense. So uh, take that for what it's worth. They did uh, uh, win their conference and go to a bowl game, of course. But uh, I think they won the bowl game, too. So I think it's a fair question, though, to ask, Lori, just how good this team is. Obviously, they're very good. They recruit very well. They, we know that a lot of the players are back from last year's national championship team. But they had to replace almost their entire defensive line, which was a strength for them in the last few years in this run that has made them a preeminent college football powerhouse. We just don't know how good that line is. We, we, we have seen national championship teams thinking specifically about Ohio state go from one season to the next season where they have the majority of their team back. And it just doesn't have the same feel. I don't know that we'll really know for sure if this Clemson team still has that, electricity that they had in 2018 until we actually see them for a quarter or so in the game against Ohio State? Well, we should figure out very quickly because Clemson is a team that really gets things started quick uh, in games this year. They have outscored opponents 170 to 17 in the first quarter, and they are a team that has won the last 
50 times they have played games in which they have scored first. So they do tend to be a team that gets out of the blocks very quickly when they are being successful. And they have been successful being their schedule as rightfully you should all you want. Most of the games they have won, they have won by fairly significant margins to the fact where they have a 35.9 points per game margin of victory. And that's a school record for them, which would be uh, surpassed the 35.3 that was their previous mark. Yeah, that's actually the second highest scoring margin this season behind Ohio State at 36.2. So it's uh, it's definitely a team that has done everything they are supposed to do against bad competition. It just, like we saw with Ohio State, when they started to face that gauntlet at the end of the season of Penn State, Michigan, and then Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game, you just don't know how much juice you've got until you're facing a team that has even a level of juice approaching yours. Um, and, I, and I think that there is still something to be learned in the opening series, or my dad always says that the first series, don't take anything that you see in the first series as predicted for the rest of the game. It is all about emotion. So take that aside. But like you said, they score early and they score often in the first quarter. Um, we, we probably need to watch the first 15 minutes or so to know if they really are going to be able to compete with Ohio State like we assume that they will be based on everything they've done in previous years. Yeah, and one way that they do score early and often is by relying on both their running and passing game. I know that their wide receivers and quarterback uh, Trevor Lawrence get a lot of the bulk of the coverage. Uh, Travis Etienne may be one of the more underrated players in the country, considering that he leads the nation with 8.24 yards per carry and has the ACC mark for career rushing touchdowns. So they're a team that can get going offensively either through the air or on the ground. And so they're not one-dimensional in any way. They're not a team that's dominated by their offense or their defense, and they're not a team that offensively is dominated by the pass or the run. In fact, they average 250 yards passing and 250 yards rushing each game. So they are a very balanced opponent in almost every way you can be balanced. Yeah, and they are one of very few teams this season that do average 250 yards through the air and on the ground this season. And and in fact, the only other two this season that have done that are both in the playoffs, Ohio State and Oklahoma. Um, And I think it's interesting, though, because when you look at these two teams, there are a lot of parallels between Clemson and Ohio State. They are teams that have quarterbacks. I mean, there are so many connections between Trevor Lawrence and and Justin Fields, not only for the fact that they grew up like 20 minutes from each other, played high school football mm-hmm. uh, in the Atlanta suburbs. They were number one or number two, depending on which recruiting rankings you look at uh, coming out in 2018. They are both guys who can throw the ball as well as are athletic enough to run the ball as well. I, I think that there's a-, a lot of comparisons between both of these teams in terms of how balanced they are. But it's interesting that it seems like the strengths for both teams match up with the weaknesses of their opponents. The, well, and and I say weaknesses in air quotes because none of them are glaring. Like you said, they don't have anything like super Mm -hmm. obvious, but uh, Ohio State is, I think, fairly a run dominated team this year. Clemson has been, you know, marginally better at the pass than the run. Um, Ohio State has been um, better against the run this year than uh, the pass to a marginal degree. And while Travis Etienne has been great, 
um, their their wide receivers, like you said, are really dominant with T. Higgins and Justin Ross catching balls deep often from uh, Trevor Lawrence. I, I think it's just going to be a really, really interesting matchup because everything seems to just fit together. And I, I'm i still struggling. I'll have a prediction at the end of this episode. I don't exactly know where I'm going to go. It's just a really, really compelling, interesting football game on many, many different levels. And you mentioned Ross. He's a guy that's shown that he can do it in the playoffs. He did it last year. That's where he really emerged. So he's a he's a big game guy. You know, offensively, you talk about the way that these teams mirror each other. Offensively, I, I think that there's a lot that can be said for the fact that they both have undefeated quarterbacks who are undefeated as a starter, maybe an underrated running back, and a wide receiving core that is extremely deep. I think the bigger differences are on defense because, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, Ohio State is a, is a team that's built from the front back. They rely mostly on their defensive line. And this year, because of the, as you talked about, the, the four players they lost to the NFL on the defensive line, they're a team that's built from the back up. And they're a team that, although they are not getting the pressure on the quarterback that they have in some past seasons, in fact, they're not even the team that Ohio State has faced this year that has the most sacks. So there are teams that get more pressure on the QB than Clemson does that Ohio State has faced. But no team has been better at making opposing quarterbacks miserable. They have the lowest opponent quarterback rating of any team in the nation. They have, they have held opposing quarterbacks to the lowest quarterback rating of any mm. team in the nation this season. And that is largely due to the play of their defensive backs. They've got a corner that's an all American and their second team. I, I, I love the biography of their second team, all ACC cornerback because he's a cat who played quarterback in high school. And then for his freshman year at Clemson, he played wide receiver. And then Darian Kendrick, they needed him to move to corner this spring because of the lack of bodies there. And he went on to do that and have incredible success doing it. So I I think he's got a fascinating biography and is part of the reason that Clemson's defense did not fall off the face of the planet after they lost that tremendous talent to the NFL in the offseason. And again, to continue with the theme of these teams being so close and and mirroring each other, Clemson does lead the nation in opposing quarterbacks passer rating at 92.81. Ohio State is second at Mm -hmm. 93.56. There are so many things like that where you just look at them. Ohio State, like I said, is number one in scoring offense. Clemson is number two in or is number one in scoring defense. Ohio State is number what did I say three or four in scoring defense. Clemson is number four in scoring offense. It's very much similar to where both of these teams really are. Uh, you look at them; it's like that Spider-Man GIF where they're pointing at each other, and uh, they're the same thing yeah. on both sides. <laughs> well, the one area where there might be a difference, and in all honesty, a slight advantage toward Ohio State. There have been some areas of Clemson's special teams that have been a little bit of a struggle for them. Mm-hmm. Their their kicker is only 12 of 19. Now, he do, does have two 51-yard field goals, but he's not been the most consistent of all kickers in college football. And their punt return defense is ranked 93rd nationally. So that's been an area of concern for them. Although, interestingly enough, 
uh, Dabo Swinney does this kind of interesting thing where he talks about uh, Clemson getting into championship season. And so whereas Ohio State has done this remarkable job of working in starters and star players on special teams all season, that is something Dabo does toward the end of the year when he deems it championship season. So he's made some little tweaks there on his special teams roster. Uh, and so they have they have improved there. But it's definitely an area that Ohio State might look to exploit. Okay. Maybe it might be the first time in 45 years that Ohio State has a punt or kick return for a touchdown. Yeah, that would be something. It would be, uh, it would definitely be, this has been a season of kind of remarkable firsts, you know, just first year head coach uh, doing the things that Ryan Day has done, um, mm-hmm. looking to looking to be the first Buckeye team to beat Clemson and, and this will be their fourth try. There's just been some remarkable firsts for Ohio State this year, a first year quarterback. You know, it's just, it's been a history making kind of fun season to follow. Absolutely. And you heard it here first. Lori Schmidt has guaranteed that Garrett Wilson will return a punt for a touchdown today. Get your money down, find yeah. your bookie. <laughs> and, if, and if you lose, tell the bookie that it's Lori Schmidt who is backing you. Is that how that I'm works? I'm usually actually much I'm usually actually much stronger with the reverse jinx and <laughs> I think that comes from years of covering the blue jackets. So, you know, you know, point out the fact that the blue jackets haven't won a game where they haven't scored first all year and they'll beat Detroit that night. That's that's tends to be my strength. So, yeah. you'd be more you'd feel better if I guaranteed that Garrett Wilson would not return okay. a punt for a touchdown. Okay. Fair enough. How about I, I guarantee he fumbles? Cuz that that, oh, that will Lori, guarantee don't, just he's don't put that don't put that juju out into the world, Lori. We don't need that. We've got enough issues with Ohio State punt returners holding onto the ball since Jalen Marshall uh, and Garrett Wilson's continuing that trend. We don't need that anymore. But um, one of the things that has been a topic of conversation out in Arizona this past week has been the health of Justin Fields' knee. On his first media availability, he said that he was 80 to 85%. He was going to be wearing the smaller of the two braces. Then at practice the next day, he was seen wearing the larger brace. Then at his next media availability, when asked about his knee, he said the coaches told him not to talk about it, Um, which is, I was shocked that he talked about it in the first place, to be honest with you. But have you heard anything specifically uh, from the folks that are out there about what they've seen from him in practice? What should we expect? Do you have a, a vibe from the the conversations and press conferences that they had before they left just to, to where Justin Fields is in terms of his rehab? What should we expect tonight in the game? Anything at all in terms of insight for Justin Fields' knee? Well, interestingly enough, um, I, I work with analyst Jeff Logan, the former Buckeye running back, who believed that Ohio State was setting up a smokescreen when it came to Justin Fields' knee. So uh, that was at least his perception. Uh, I will be very interested in how this works out um, because we know that Ryan Day has said that in games where Justin's knee just wasn't quite 100%, he actually handcuffed himself when it came to play calling, not wanting to put Justin in a situation where he was required to be mobile. So, and he said that really sort of hampered his play calling. So we'll, we'll, I think see early in this game where Justin's knee is at. I mean, even just beyond which brace he comes out with. Uh, but 
I don't know how crucial that would be because I really think that this is a team we've talked about balance. They do have a lot of weapons just beyond Justin Fields mobility. And he's had three weeks to, to really heal up. So I, I don't anticipate his knee being a crucial factor in this game, even if it's an interesting storyline leading up to it. Yeah, I don't think that they're necessarily going to need him to run for 150 yards like they might have needed yeah. uh, uh, JT Barrett to do so in a lot of games. But I think the threat of him being able to run for 20 or 25 yards at a time certainly will help open things up for J.K. Dobbins and might even open up things for the passing game if they need to have somebody uh, you know, spying on him uh, and maybe opening up a throwing lane or something. So I don't think it's a make or break thing, like you said, but I definitely think it helps. I mean, it can't hurt to have him oh, yeah. uh, being it, able to run. It, it definitely doesn't doesn't hurt having yeah. a, a Justin Fields at 100%. And especially when you've got a team that lines up Isaiah Simmons at linebacker. Yeah. Who would probably uh, be the person spying on him. He would probably be the one spying yeah. on Justin Fields if they did that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and a guy who's gotten to the quarterback seven times this year has 14 tackles for loss, so he can be disruptive. Um, but I just think that with a, a Clemson team that, again, has made court, opposing quarterbacks miserable via their play in the, in the back seven and then in, in the secondary, I am not sure that this is his, his – the health of his knee is as crucial as it was against Wisconsin and Michigan and teams that were really trying to uh, punch up the gut of the Ohio State offense. Yeah. Although with, you know, Clemson's defensive coordinator is is something else. And I, I will be really interested to see what he comes out with. Uh, he may scheme up for a 90% Justin Fields. So, that, that will also be an interesting battle to watch play out. Absolutely. Well, Lori, let's wrap this up here. I feel like you, as an esteemed member of, of the media, have been incredibly disrespected from in the last few weeks because both Ryan Day and Dabo Sweeney have talked about just how disrespected they have been and their teams have been by that miserable media and how nobody thinks that they're any good. Nobody expects them to win. Nobody wants to see them in the playoff. What have you taken from all of the <laughs> hullabaloo coming from Dabo? And then apparently Ryan Day was singing very much the same song at practice uh, out in Arizona. What do you take about this narrative? Uh, or what do you take away from this narrative of both teams trying to vie for the most disrespected, underappreciated underdog role coming into this college football playoff semifinal? Well, the way that I feel disrespected this week is that this is the week you always see like the zoo animals giving their analysis. <laughs> and, you know, as much as I appreciate watching an orangutan pick Ohio State over Clemson, it is a little disconcerting that they are going to the orangutan rather than, you know, one of the esteemed members of the press and asking their opinion. So uh, that's the way I mean, I, I just figure that if the if the Patriots can go out there and say we're the underdogs, no one wants us to win, then anyone can. And every coach really sort of I have yet to hear the players say, yeah, everyone wants us to win. And that's a lot of pressure. And we're going to go out there and deal with it. No, they it's it's Ohio versus the world. 
uh, everywhere. So that's, I am not extremely surprised that that is the tack that both coaches have taken, especially considering that that's sort of Dabo's thing. Um, they they would be picked number one and a favorite in every game they played, and that still would be the, the song that Dabo would sing. Yeah. I do think that's a little speciesist of you, though, to assume that just because something is an animal, it can't be a member of the press. But we won't we won't necessarily cancel you because of that opinion yet, Laurie. Well, I like I said, the orangutan picked Ohio State, so I, I can't have too much of a grudge against it. Orangutans yeah. are super cute too. There's one at the Columbus Zoo named Dumplin that's always at the. We need to get off this subject, or you're going to lose me forever. <laughs> I know that you are a big Columbus Zoo fan, so. Uh, well, Laurie, thank yes. you so much for uh, breaking this game down with us. Hopefully, we have one more of these to do this season in, I believe, a month and a half, because that's when the college football playoff championship game is. Um, it's actually 16 <laughs> days away, which is just ridiculous can we figure out this schedule please this is horrible um but anyway hopefully we have a chance to do that enjoy the game uh tonight and um and hopefully we can uh, chat again in two and a half weeks time yeah hopefully it's a happy new year for everybody Don't forget to tune into the best buckeye coverage on your radio dial on 610 wtvn before and after the game We'll be back with a look inside the numbers and a prediction after this quick break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm not going to lie. This first section back after the break is going to be a bit rough for Buckeye fans. Ohio State and Clemson have played three times before in 1978. 2014, and 2016, and none of them went particularly well for Ohio State. The 1978 Gator Bowl marked the end of the coaching career for one Wayne Woodrow Hayes after he punched Clemson nose guard Charlie Bauman following an interception of freshman quarterback Arch Schleister. Hayes would be fired the next day before leaving Jacksonville. Then in the Orange Bowl following the 2013 season, Sammy Watkins had 16 receptions for 227 yards and two touchdowns. And finally, and perhaps most painfully, in the last time that the Buckeyes were in the college football playoff, the two teams met in the very same game in the very same stadium on New Year's Eve in 2016. That game ended in an embarrassing 31 to nothing skunking that ultimately led to the dismissal of offensive coordinators Tim Beck and Ed Warner, and then Ryan Day was hired just a few weeks later, so it would be a wonderful full-circle moment for Day to maintain his undefeated first season as Ohio State's head coach by beating the team that essentially necessitated the change that brought him to the school in the first place. Now, let's change subjects and go from history to math as we look at the analytics for the game. As it has for much of the season, Ohio State holds the number one spot in the SP Plus rankings from ESPN's Bill Connolly. They are also still the only team in college football with both their offensive 
and defensive units in the top five. The offense is fourth and the defense is first. Clemson is close, though, with their offense and defense coming in sixth and third, respectively. Ohio State's special teams are 16th in the country, while Clemson's are 103rd. The Tigers are fourth overall in the SP Plus rankings. The analytics system projects Ohio State to win by a score of 30-24 to and gives them a 64% win probability. Earlier this week, in this very podcast feed, I spoke with Josh and Daniel from collegefootballnerds.com, and their computer model has Clemson as less than a half-point favorite over the Buckeyes at 28-27 to when you round the totals up. They project that the offensive numbers will be pretty similar with OSU rushing for 4.06 yards per carry and passing for 6.45 yards per attempt. They have Clemson at 4.04 yards per rush and 6.35 yards per pass. They project that Ohio State's advantage will be in the rushing game on both sides of the ball, while Clemson will have the advantage in the passing game on both offense and defense. In 6,798 simulations, the NCAA Game Simulator has an average score of Ohio State 31.1, Clemson 25.8. Despite the close totals, only 22% of the simulations were decided by less than 5 points, and only 3% went to overtime. In the Sims, Ohio State won by more than 20 points 20.7% of the time, and Clemson won by that same margin only 9.6% of the time. Have I mentioned recently that I really like this simulator website? You can check it out yourself. You can sim with current and historic college football and men's basketball teams at ncaasim.com. Anyway, let's move on from the theoretical numbers to the actual on-field numbers from this season. The Tigers are led on offense by the ACC's first-team quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. After a sloppy first two months of the season in which he threw eight interceptions in his first seven games, he's been remarkably proficient in the six subsequent contests, throwing 20 touchdowns and zero picks. On the season, he has thrown for 3,172 yards on 9.4 yards per attempt. His leading receiver is T. Higgins, who averages 20.8 yards per reception and has 13 TDs and 1,082 yards. Justin Ross is the next leading receiver and has 742 yards and 8 TDs. Like many of Ohio State's skill position players, Clemson's individual stats are probably much lower than you would expect them to be, primarily because they didn't have to play much in the second half of most games. Running back Travis Etienne has rushed for exactly 1,500 yards on the season and has 17 touchdowns on the ground and another 298 yards and two scores through the air. As we discussed with Laurie, his 8.2 yards per carry is tops in the nation. On defense, Isaiah Simmons has 93 tackles, 14.5 for loss, including 7 sacks and 2 interceptions. Tanner Muse leads the team with 4 interceptions, but is generally considered the weak spot of the team's secondary, especially against top-notch receivers. Collectively, Clemson has only allowed 13 sacks on the season, 6th best nationally, and has 38 sacks of their own, 15th nationally. Ohio State has allowed 31 sacks on the season, or about 2.4 per game, while they have 51 of their own, tied for the most in the country. As Laurie and I discussed, these two teams are remarkably similar in their season statistics, which makes projecting an outcome for this game incredibly difficult. But before I get into my projection for the game and my prediction, I want to run through the bowl schedule for today. Kicking off the action of the Cotton Bowl at noon Eastern time will be the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions and number 17 Memphis Tigers on ESPN. At the same time, Notre Dame and Iowa State will play in the Camping World Bowl from Orlando. That game will be on ABC. Then in the first semifinal, number 4 Oklahoma will face off against number 1 LSU in the Peach Bowl 
at 4 p.m. That game, like Ohio State's, will be on ESPN. Okay, back to Ohio State and the Fiesta Bowl. This one has been tough, I admit, because the teams are so similar and Clemson's competition has been so lackluster this year that it's tough to accurately gauge just how impressive their numbers are and how predictive they can be for what they're going to do in the playoff. But based on what we've seen from this team and this program in recent seasons and this year, I feel pretty confident in saying that they are as good as their numbers indicate. Therefore, I would anticipate a pretty hard-fought game. The difference, I think, though, is that Ohio State's offense is built to sustain drives because of J.K. Dobbins and the offensive line's run-blocking ability and the threat of Justin Fields to run on design keepers or to scramble. Clemson, however, is much more of a quick-strike offense. Now, admittedly, that is likely at least in part because they didn't need to sustain drives against the competition that they faced, but I certainly like Ohio State's construction in their chances to string plays together against Clemson's defense better than I do the converse. I imagine that both teams will try to mix in some short passes to counter the opposing pass rushes, but I think that despite the attention that he will be paid, Chase Young will cause some major disruptions in the backfield and will have at least a sack and a half on Lawrence. On the other side of the ball, I think we will see Fields only throw it in the neighborhood of 20 times, completing 15 or so for 220 yards and two touchdowns. As he has in the previous three games, Dobbins will be caught upon to shoulder the load and will have north of 30 carries, 160 yards, and two TDs. Ultimately, perhaps I am viewing the game through scarlet and gray colored glasses, but I will predict Ohio State 41, Clemson 31, and the Buckeyes will face Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers for the national championship game on Monday, January 13th. Alright, that's all we have for today. Hopefully we get to do one more of these episodes for you this season. As always, Land Grant Holy Land will have you covered before, during, and after the game. I will be matching buttons on Twitter during both the CFP contest today, so please follow and share your thoughts at LandGrant33, your social media home for all of Land Grant Holy Land's Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm. You can follow our friend Lori Schmidt on Twitter at Lori Schmidt and her station at 610 WTVN News. I'm on Twitter at BWWMATT as well. And if you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant Holy Land's one-of-a-kind podcast network, where we not only bring you unique news, interviews, and analysis, but we've also got perspectives on sports and the Buckeyes unlike any other OSU podcast around. So, with all of that out of the way, there's only one thing left to say. Go Bucks! <laughs>